morning, guys. Welcome back to the King in It podcast with myself, Craig Holmes. Craig Holmes. And this little champion of the world, Amy <laughs> Bannister. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. One of those to One the throat, oh, Craig. Oh, yeah, going straight for the jugular, you love. <laughs> Will you survive? That is the question. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome back to season four. If you're brand new around here, usually we do travel-based stuff, but lockdown happened, so we came up with this brand new... Uh, in, in Inventive, uh, absolutely genius... Creative. Creative. Unworldly... Otherworldly. Otherworldly. Set of podcasts that are going to blow your mind. Yeah, created by uh, yours truly. This little legend came out <laughs> of this idea. So in this season, you're going to learn. Oh, yeah. We're going to teach. We are going to teach you. We are your masters. Arigato gozaimasu. I mean, I mean, I've learned so much myself, Craig. I I love this. I've actually part. learned loads. Yeah, it's quite fun, this, isn't it? Because we're not only telling people about stuff, we're learning ourselves. Yeah, learning one hundred percent retention zero. <laughs> yeah, so. I, was, I was literally in my head there, like, what have I learned? What can I remember? So we'll meet someone on the road, and be like, oh, you remember that time when you said this? And I'll be like, nah, that wasn't me. That was not me. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> so just uh, before we carry on, if you can hear some. Uh, some ambiance. We're actually <laughs> on top of a, a Welsh mountain getting battered by rain and there wind. There is a hurricane about to explode. So if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see it through all the windows. Uh, and if you're listening to this... Is that snow? Hopefully, it might be. That is snow. But if you're listening to this, then hopefully the ambiance isn't too much for you. Maybe it'll set the scene for this, this week's episode. Maybe, yeah. So last week we talked about uncontacted peoples and tribes. Yes, I love that podcast. And we decided that we're going to start our own tribe. Oh, oh shit, yeah. And we came up with a name. Oh, did we? Well, I did. See the retention there? Uh, Forgotten already. King iPod Shufflers. Ah, oh, King iPod Shufflers! <laughs> Mic drop. If you don't know what we're on about, go back, listen to the last episode. There's a discount code in there for King and It merch if you missed it as well. That was 24 hours. Oh, it's expired. You're too late, mate. You're too late. Maybe we'll drop one at the end of this one. Maybe you'll have to watch. Listen and find out. So this week we are talking about survival stories. How do you feel about that? I'm excited to share the documentation that I have got for you. Oh, I'm looking forward to it, babes. Um, so there is also a competition at the end of this, uh, which if you've been listening along, you'll know about. We'll tell you about that in the e at the end. Last week, we finished on a riddle. Oh, the riddle. I always forget these. <laughs> oh, no, I knew it. I knew it, didn't I? Did you? I do know the answer. Go on, babe. Sorry. So if you missed it, the riddle was a woman shoots her husband, then holds him underwater for five minutes. Next, she hangs him. And right after, they enjoy a lovely dinner. Explain. Her, his wife is a photographer. Okay. And he, he has a photo shoot. Right. That's when he when she shoots him. Right. And then she develops the pictures and holds him underwater. Well done. What was the last bit? And then she hangs him up. Hangs him up to dry. Well, she hangs him, but yeah. Hangs the pictures up to dry. Bloody genius. Go on, babe. That's a great riddle. I love that one. That's a good riddle. If you've got it, congratulations. If not, don't worry, because I don't usually get them. I just knew that one. <laughs> but before we jump into the podcast, we are going to talk about this week's sponsor... Oh, this season sponsor, Surfshark. Surfshark. Absolute bunch of legends. Thanks so much, Gabriella, for believing in King in it from the very start. 
for having our backs. So let people know what Surfshark are, because I haven't got bloody clue. Come on, babes, you, you, you take the floor. You know you know about Surfshark. So a Surfshark is a virtual private network. So basically, if you've got a phone or a laptop or anything sort of technological like that, <laughs> you're going to need this to protect your your data and everything you hold highly on your laptop. Your nudes. nudes. <laughs> <laughs> Any photos of your dogs. You know, if you don't want anybody else to see them, you need a VPN for protection. If you're a bit weird like that and you only take photos of your dog for yourself. Your dog nude. <laughs> you don't want to show people that. Hang on, what? Huh? What? <laughs> it is great. It's stupidly cheap. Uh, we use it all the time. We use it on our laptops and on our, on our phones. You can unlock Netflix libraries from around the world. Yep. If you're on public Wi-Fi. Did you mention this? No, but it does keep, keep you safe on public keeps Wi-Fi. You safe, literally, you, you log into public Wi-Fi. You know, you could have your identity There's nicked. vicious people. Vicious people out there, like, hijacking your webcam, taking photos yeah. of your chin. Tracking <laughs> tracking your data, tracking where you are, where you've gone. <laughs> so, technically, you could be kidnapped. Do you yeah, know what I mean? I mean... Oh, worse. Is this scaremongering? Yes, it is. You need to get a Surfshark. If you don't have it, then you're making a big mistake. <laughs> um, so, if it wasn't cheap enough, we've got a deal for you. Yes, we do. So, all you have to do is go to surfshark.deals forward slash R-Y-O-W podcast. Yes. And you'll get 83% off. Stinking. And three months free. Yo! (laughs) I know. For something so cheap and something that we've used for years, we really recommend it. Like, just to keep yourself really safe online. Right then, babe, survival stories. Survival stories. Can I just take a minute before we start this podcast? Take a minute. To give a shout out to our man, Roy Sullivan. It was Roy Sullivan. I just knew you were going to say that, Craig. (laughs) Was it episode one? Your man had been struck by lightning seven times. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he's a survivor. Yeah. Yeah, he would have been great in this podcast. He would have. He's already been in one, so you've had your limelight, You've had your chance. But thanks for blessing us with your story. Yeah. Okay, so I thought to myself... Did you? You're a pretty shit human. Who? Me. What? What do you mean? Like, survival-wise. Oh, yeah. Like, (laughs) I'm... I mean, you've survived. You're alive. uh, Yeah, I've survived life this far, but if you throw me in, like, a survival... Survive on your own type of situation, thick as shit. Thick (laughs) as a turd. Not getting anywhere. I'm going to crumble. I'm going to (laughs) die. Thick as a turd. But I did... I did... I, I know that... Big Rills drank his own pee, so I'd give that a go. Would you? Yes. Could sort that out later if you want. No, babes. no, if I had to. If I'm in the desert on my own and I've left the car <laughs> that I was driving, never leave the vehicle, yeah. I've, I've learnt. Okay. I, I drink my own pee. Oh, God, I might have to soon. Can you hear it? <laughs> this is madness. <laughs> Custer's getting a good wash anyway. Yeah, that's, that's all we need. So this led me to Google how to survive anything. 101 for Amy B. I'm basically going to save one of our listeners' lives right now, so I thought I'll give you the good info first, because if you only listen to half this podcast, which you shouldn't, <laughs> at least you'll survive. Yeah. So um, I came across this book that was How to Survive Anything, so that's in our Amazon basket, so we'll get that soon, because we might need that in the future. But I also came across this YouTube called How to Survive, right. which is really, really interesting. So the channel looks at things like how to survive a natural disaster or an extreme situation, a sinking ship, Whoa. getting stuck in deep mud, and even like if the the wires from like a lift or an elevator if you're american snap right. and you fall Whoa. how to like survive that that's such a good idea for it's, a channel yeah they're, they're millions they're flying but two that i think i could bring to people's real lives yeah 
um, today are going to be how to survive from falling off a building. Really? Yes. Surely you can't survive that. And how to survive being kidnapped. Okay, bloody hell. Just a little FYI, I did read about a toddler who fell from an 11-storey building and survived. What? Yeah. Was he made from rubber? No, he wasn't. He was a real <laughs> child. Um, he broke his back and a couple of arms. Oh, bless and, him. And fractured his skull, but he lived. That's mad. I know, I know, crazy. Okay, did so... Did a wingsuit on? No. <laughs> so, how to survive from a falling building... <laughs> So the first one's a bit weird because you wouldn't really do it, but it says to pretend you're a human pinball and try and hit things on the way down. So if you can smash yourself into something, it will stop the momentum of your fall. The terminal velocity. Exactly. So when you fall, um, you're less likely to, to die straight from impact because you've you've hit something on the way down. Oh, God, that's a bit scary, yeah, isn't it? It decreases your momentum, I know. So if you can bring yourself to do that, you might you know break a couple of bones, but... Um, point two is stay loose. If you stiffen up, which you're going to, and it will be so hard not to like bracing for up, impact, yeah. yeah, then you will break stuff and die. No way. If you stay loose, chances are you'll be able to survive it more, which is crazy. Look for something to grab onto, something that'll either slow you down or something that you can hang on to until help comes. That makes sense. <laughs> Choose where you want to land. So I'm thinking, you know, if you're not falling from a building, if you're falling from a parachute or whatever, try and pinpoint somewhere to land that soft, mm. like, and then aim for that. And you can even land on a car, which will help absorb the impact yeah, of your I fall. Yeah, I'd imagine it would, yeah. Yeah, which is crazy. Um, feet first, which I would never have thought really? of. But yeah, feet first is the best way. Then roll onto your side. You might smash <laughs> your feet up, but you will save your... It, like it'll, internal organs. Yeah, yeah, it'll absorb most of the impact and protect your internal organs. And if you land on your back and stuff, it can obviously break your back and you could end up with like fatal heart damage oh crikey so that is how to survive from falling from a building or possibly a parachute go on babes that's a mad bit of advice i wasn't expecting today no, no. <laughs> <laughs> you in turn could be one of these people that we talk about that has survived the impossible yeah you know and how to survive being kidnapped right okay so this isn't something you really think about like you see it in the films and stuff you don't actually think what would i do in this situation hmm <laughs> this wind is mad. Okay, so obviously, fight straight away. <laughs> exactly. Before they capture you, fight and run as quickly as possible. The sooner you can do it, the better. Yell fire, yell police. Fight anybody with any kind of weapon you've got to get away. Because as soon as they've got you, you're in their spot then, and they've got all the power. Mm. So yeah, if you're going to try and fight them, you want to aim for sensitive areas like the eyes, the throat, the penis, or the vagina, and the knees. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're laughing because it's just so funny. Like, we were supposed to be doing survival stories, and Amy's like, "How to survive getting kidnapped? Batter people's genitalia." Well, the funny bit, he was like, "Use a pen." So I'm like, "Grab the pen, stab it in his penis, <laughs> run like hell, stab him in the willy, stack him in the willy, stab him in the willy." Okay, once you get kidnapped, obviously you need to be docile and agreeing. You need to like make sure that they know that you're a polite person and you avoid making them angry in any way possible. Like, keep a low profile to avoid to avoid any harm or death, which I think is, you know, but you might be really angry. You might be like, fucking let me out of here, whatever. Yeah. Just be like, okay, let's sort this out. Use your brain to sort of keep yourself calm, 
they they mention maybe meditate exercise keep a keep a steady routine which will help stabilize your mental health i guess this is if you're if you've been captured for like a few months or whatever so um yeah pay close attention you're going in deep with this survival of kidnapping aren't you? i'm saving someone's life here Memory, memorize as many details as you can about the abduction scene, the number plate they put you in, how many turns you took, did you stop, any specific noises you can think of. So when they're captured, then you've got all this information to give to the police. <laughs> um, devise an escape route if you can and if it's safe. So observe your surroundings, create a viable escape plan, look for possible exits and note the schedule of your captor if he comes in and out of a door, like how is he leaving? Keep refining this until it's the right time to do so and try and find a window of opportunity. But just note here, a change in their usual routine, if they become excitable or nervous, this could mean that they're planning on killing you. Oh, dear Lord. And then you need to move fast. Brilliant. I Thanks hope you for can that, take all babes. that information uh, in. Noted <laughs> for the future of uh, potential kidnapping. <laughs> Listen to this podcast twice and see that in your brain. So when you get kidnapped, you know exactly what to Please do. Please don't get kidnapped, But people. the thing is, if you get kidnapped and you escape and you have to jump from a building, <laughs> I have got you covered. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have a review. I listened to the King in It podcast and the other day I got kidnapped. I had to jump off a building and, <laughs> and survive. Exactly what Thanks I was doing. so much, Craig and Amy. Five star review. <laughs> if that's you, we'll send you a jumper. That's off to you. Free jumper for you. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, my first survival story. Okay. A little bit of water on your chin there, Drive. I just spilt it everywhere. <laughs> Is a fella named Stephen Callahan. Stephen Callahan, go on, son. So this is the toughest battle with dehydration. Oh. On the night of the 29th of January, 1982, Steve Callahan set a sail on his small sailboat from the Canary Islands bound for the Caribbean. How far was that? Quite fast, the Atlantic Ocean. Then what's he doing doing on his own? He's a sailor and he, he knows what he's doing. Okay. So on February the 5th, the ship sank in a storm. Knew what he was doing, did he? Well, he <laughs> came into a storm, didn't he? You can't really fight the sea when it's that big. Yeah. So it left Callahan adrift in the Atlantic Ocean in a five and a half foot inflatable rubber raft. Naked except for a t-shirt. Why is he naked? He, all his clothes must have fallen off. Right. <laughs> <laughs> They all swam off, did they? Every piece of clothing for himself, is it? <laughs> yeah, like, see you later, Steve, we're off, mate. <laughs> so he only had three pounds of food and a few pieces of gear. <laughs> Are you going to say he only had three quid on him? I was he only say, had three he quid. <laughs> he only had three quid for the tuck shop. In his pocket, but which he didn't have his pocket because his trousers had left him. <laughs> <laughs> no ATMs in sight. <laughs> He only, th he only had three pounds of food, a few pieces of gear and eight pints of water. Okay. Callahan drifted for 76 days. Whoa. But the thing is, he probably drank more than I did in 76 days. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't true. like to drink the best of times. You have eight pints of water a year, don't you? Yeah. I wake up and I'm like, oh God, I've been sleeping in the Sahara. Or I won't drink. Craig's like, you're tired because you need more water. Back to Steve's story. Um, so... Yeah, he drifted for 76 days and over 1,800 miles of the ocean. Wow, what? And still he was on the ocean. That's so crazy. So it says, 
Callahan's autobiographical account of the story is called Adrift, and it's meant to be one of the most amazing adventure books of all time. Wow, not really? adventure, survival, yeah. Oh, that's cool. We should we should read yeah, that. Yeah, I put it on a list. So it says well, uh, it's a gut wrenching book that clearly details the extreme mental toughness required to survive at sea. So this is Callahan describing what happened. He says, there was a big crash on the side of the boat. This is before he ended up in the raft. Yeah. And a lot of water came flooding in. So part of me was frightened and saying, you're going to die, you're going to die. God. You're going to go right down with the boat. And part of me was saying, shut up, do your job. So Callahan grabbed what supplies he could, jumped onto a six-foot rubber life raft and tethered himself to to the partially submerged boats to weather the storm. So the boat, boat, his main boat capsized yeah. and he just literally put a line to that and just got in the raft just so he was tethered to it. Is it not sinking though? It was like partially, it was like turned over. Okay, so it was yeah, like yeah. flooded with water. Yeah. But uh, he probably did it so that when the storm passed, he could go on and get some supplies and stuff because mm-hmm. it was probably loaded with clever, stuff. Clever, clever guy. It says, just before dawn, something parted in the line and I went drifting off and basically spent the next two and a half months crossing 1,800 nautical miles or about two thirds of the way across the US, learning to live like an aquatic caveman. Oh my goodness. So this guy, Steve Callahan, is fascinating. You know The Life of Pi? Have you ever heard that story? Yeah. So it's a fictional book about a kid who gets lost at sea mm. or, or like ends up on a raft and he has to sort of survive for himself. But they brought Steve Callahan in for the, for the movie to help the main no actor reenact the moments where he like this ship sank and and help him like how what? how did you like um hunt for fish and things like that so basically what he said was like the fish became his friends and if if you've got a raft um or something that's floating it gets covered in barnacles and then fish automatically go go to it because they ah, think it's like some sort of yeah. island so he said the fish became his friends and also his enemies so he was like oh, he would talk to the fish he said that like he would catch the fish to eat them obviously to stay alive in yeah. that sense but also like he said sometimes the fish were so big he would they would break his spear so he would spear them and then he'd have oh. this battle with the fish it would snap the spear yeah and then one of them put a hole in the boat at one point as well i don't know how he managed to get out of that one but sugar just an unbelievable we're talking about steve here yeah yeah so do you have a dinghy so we had a five and a half foot inflatable rubber raft right so the barnacles stuck to the rubber raft yeah cool so yeah so he was able to like with all his years of experience like he knew kind of knew which way he was going based off the sun uh survived off fish i, pre- I appreciate people that can do that unbelievable what, i would be guy. like Help! for like three I'd months be like, which way to north pole because i'm boiling I, I could get i could get a bit of iceberg <laughs> maybe meet a polar bear which way to north pole because i'm boiling <laughs> So Do you know what I mean, though? Thick as a turd. Like, <laughs> no, that's quite I've smart, I've got babes. no chance. Yeah, but if you don't know which way it is, it's not that smart. <laughs> you just look for the North Star, don't you? And then what? Go that way. Oh, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> but yeah, I just find that fascinating that he he survived for two and a half months and he was, um, well, after he ran out of his eight pints of water, he was living off rainwater so when right. it would rain yeah. he would like put things out to catch the water does it say in his book or have you got anything there about how he felt like during his time i don't have anything here about it bullshit um be the worst podcaster i know but his book's called the drift and you should the read drift. it okay but he's a fascinating guy i read so much about him but i didn't want to put too much in because i feel like you should watch some stuff on this guy or read his book yeah what an absolute legend brilliant <laughs> 
So I'm just going to jump in with my first story. Ask me any question you want. I've got all the details on this guy, all right? All right. Because I'm a real podcaster and I get my facts and I get my information. Got my facts. This is the story of Aaron Ralston. Heard of him. Which you only heard of because I told you about him. On April the 26th, 2003, Aaron Ralston was canyoneering alone through one of the most remote and exceedingly narrow canyons of Blue John Canyon in Utah. While he was descending, a boulder became dislodged while he was climbing down from it. The boulder first smashed his left hand and then crushed his right hand against the canyon wall. So it was stuck. So he hadn't told anyone of his hiking plans or where he was going, nor did he have any way of asking for help. Nightmare scenario. Nightmare. There's nobody around you. It's so remote. He's gone all the way in, told nobody where he's going, left his car. So I I would be hopeful someone would be like, that car's been there for ages. Mm. What's going on? He spent five days slowly sipping his small amount of remaining water which was just a little bit more than like a can of coke size that's all he had in five days um he he had two burritos as well oh not bad (laughs) yeah not not bad well well done well done um that he ate over the days as well um all the while constantly trying to free his arm trying to get it out somehow um bearing in mind now this rock this boulder that had crushed his hand and was and had trapped it was 800 pounds oh my days i've googled that 57 stone mate (laughs) 57 stone there's no way he could lift that there's no way he's getting out of that so after three days he knew he was gonna die he was too remote and no one would find him he was dehydrated and really delirious at this point so he decided that the only thing to do was to cut his own arm off (laughs) of course it was of course it was, Aaron. Of course that's all you can do. Do you know what I mean? That is pure survival instinct. Survival. It's like, that, I mean, no, it's not. That's beyond, that's beyond, beyond. that. Beyond. Because most normal people would just like give in and just be like, well, that's me, I'm going to die. They wouldn't think, oh, I could chop my arm off. I know. No, I wouldn't. How, how would you even you can't imagine the pain of doing that yourself and you having to do that there's tendons in there there's a oh bone my in there God. so basically he'd have to do it from mid forearm in order to escape oh my days so the chunky horrendous. bit that chunky bit he experimented with tourniquets which are like little straps you know when you have an injection they put a strap around your arm and pull it tight yeah it's like that kind of thing he, and he made small experimental cuts but on the fourth day, he realised that he'd have to cut through his actual bone in his arm to be free. And surely, then, surely you would like try and break it and not cut through it. He had real insufficient tools to do this, though. Oh no, he hasn't got like a tin opener, is he? No. <laughs> so basically, on the fifth day, he ran out of both food, both food and water, so decided to start drinking his own urine. There we are, Bear grill. See, I've got, I've got some skills. Is that is that a thing? That's a thing. But surely that makes you really ill. I thought you were supposed to, like, filter it through something. You can't just drink it. Filter it through your teeth, so... Oh. <laughs> I don't know what's coming out in your pee, but mine's pretty liquidy. Well, yeah, well, yeah but it's... in yours, have the, you? The reason you pee it out, though, is because it's all this bad stuff your body doesn't need. Your body absorbs all the H2O and all the, all the minerals, but mm. then it gets rid of all the shit. That's why it's, like, yellow. Well, if you didn't do it, brown bread dead meat. <laughs> so... 
So as he thought this was the end, he carved his name, date of birth, and presumed date of death into the sandstone canyon wall. Oh, that's so sad. It's fucking mad, that, Imagine isn't it? doing that. Imagine. Like... He also videotaped, like, his last goodbyes to really? his family. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm not sure crazy. how he did that, because he didn't have a phone, but he must have taken some... Sign- he must have had a camera some, on him. Some kind of camera, yeah. So he didn't expect to survive the night, but as he attempted to stay warm, he began hallucinating. And he had a vision of himself playing with a future child while missing part of his right arm. No way. Yeah. That's so mad. This sort of gave him the push to believe that he he needed to survive. Wow, that's I know. crazy. I've got goosebumps yeah, now I'm saying it's that. It's all on my neck, It's yeah. crazy, isn't it? So after waking at dawn the following day, he discovered that his right arm had begun to decompose due to the lack of circulation, like obviously from that strap. Right, yeah. Which made it like super easy and he teared it off. What? Yeah. He tore his arm off? He, he, he tore it off. I don't know if it was in pieces or in one go, but he was so desperate. And after having this vision, he tore it off. Oh my God, that's I know, mad. I know. He then had an epiphany that he could break his radius and aluna bones using the force against the rock in his trapped arm. So he could literally just bash it. And it would break. Right. That's him set free then. So so that was before he tore, he tore it off, obviously. No, he, he, tore, he tore off all the skin and, and all the bits. Oh, And my then he days. had his bone and he, he, he used it against the rock to sort of push against the rock and oh. break it. And that's what he did. I, I can't actually fathom mm-hmm. looking at your own arm that's just bone. I know, I know. Oh, that's mad. And the amount of blood and everything that you would have lost and, and how weak you would have been due to dehydration and all of this stuff already. It's, it's, any, it's such a surprise that he's still able to function and know what he's doing, you know? That, that's, I think that is like diving into the depths of um, despair. Do you know what I mean? And, Desperate and like, times. You've literally time. got no other option. Nothing, or you'll die. But I wonder how many, like, if you were to put, like, 100 people in that situation, obviously we'd never do that as an experiment, yeah, hypothetically. Yeah, yeah. How many people would do that and how many... I reckon it would be quite a high number. No, no way. No? Absolutely not. No. No way. It'd be next to nothing. Ne- I can't even, like... Yeah, I suppose you're right. I self-inject and I can barely do that. Bit of brown, is it, love? Sorry? <laughs> Heroin? Are you injecting? No, it's just contraception. <laughs> but <laughs> I can barely give myself an injection. I couldn't give anyone else. Never mind, tear my own arm off. <laughs> Flipping out. What a guy. So, so he had amputated his forearm with his multi-tool, using a dull two-inch knife and pliers for the tougher tendons. Oh. My goodness me! My goodness me! The painful process took only an hour. So during which time he used the tubing from a camel pack as a tourniquet, taking care to leave major arteries until last. So he had to do them as well. Oh, my days. Well, I don't know what he did. Or did he just pinch them? Well, to... I guess with a tourniquet, he would have, you know, like when people Strapped like have amputations, they, they strap it up so yeah. no blood can go there. Mm-hmm. He must have just pulled it as tight as he could yeah. on that arm. Matt, so this bit's mad next. So after freeing himself, oh, my God, amazing. What the fuck? You'd be like... Well, I don't know how he felt. This yeah. is why I want to read his book. There is a film on it, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. It's called 127 Hours. Yeah, but I... Yeah, flipping neck. We should watch that tonight. We yeah. say that about everything know, when, we, we when we do these podcasts. So after freeing himself, he climbed out the canyon, abseiled down a 20-metre sheer wall, then hiked out of the canyon all one-handed. 
bearing in mind now he's eight miles away from his car <laughs> eight miles away after hiking around six miles he bumped into a family that were on holiday from the netherlands they gave him food and water and rushed to alert the authorities oh my god Ralph, uh, ralston had feared he would bleed to death he had lost 40 pounds including 25 percent of his blood volume no way he was picked up by an air ambulance and rescued approximately four hours after amputating his arm what a guy craig can that you believe is it unbelievable so he brought out a book called Between a Rock and Hard Place, which I thought oh, was really funny. Genius. He's got the film called 120 Hours and is now a motivational speaker. I mean, hats off to him. Yeah. I, I would listen to him any, any day of the week. Mad. Be like, you think you got it bad, mate? I ripped my arm off. I know. <laughs> I, I had to rip my own arm off to save my own life. Unbelievable. Crazy. I feel like we should give him a round of applause. Okay. Everybody join in. Go on, mate. He deserves that. <laughs> That's madness. What about his arm then? Did they go back and pick it oh, up? Oh shit, I've got that. Have you? His severed hand and format. See what I mean? Fucking good po- co- podcaster. <laughs> Fucking good podcaster, me. So his severed hand and forearm were retrieved from under the boulder by park authorities. Apparently, it took 13 men, a winch, and a hydraulic jack to move the boulder to move the boulder to lift the rock and retrieve the arm his arm was then cremated and the ashes were given back to him no way yeah see i'd be a bit gutted about that about it being cremated or yeah i would be like you could have just given me the whole hand do that you know what i mean you could put it in like a little glass museum. case how sick would that be <laughs> see that arm there i ripped it off once now it's yeah. in a glass case there's my stump to prove it yeah but yeah it could have gone in a museum they could have frozen it yeah what did they burn it for i'd be raging i mean he probably did a bit of a shoddy job on cutting it probably wasn't like a oh no but if nice... it's the middle of the forearm you've got at least your hand you've got the hand yeah. do you know what i mean Crazy. you could like make oh i'd be gutted about that but you know, you can do these things with ashes now. You could put them in necklaces. Yeah. You could hang his arm around his neck, essentially. It's <laughs> <laughs> a weird thought, isn't it? <laughs> What's that? What's that on your necklace? Oh, it's my arm. It's my arm. <laughs> <laughs> See, in that stone there, that's my arm. <laughs> People will be so confused. <laughs> but yeah, what a guy. That's unbelievable. All right, my next story is... She's, a... she's probably shitting it. Oh, <laughs> don't talk about Juliana like that. My next story is about a lady called Juliana Cupcake. I thought you were going to say Cupcake. I was going to say, I love her. <laughs> She's my bestie. So she is a German lady. Uh, and this story is called The Luckiest Plane Crash Survivor. Wow, okay. Juliana Diller, born in 1954 in Lima as Juliana Margaret Cupcake, is best known for being the sole survivor of 92 passengers and crew in the December 24th, 1971 crash of Lancer Flight 508 in the Peruvian rainforest. The only survivor the out of 92 people. survivor. This story is absolutely mental. Wow, what I, a girl. I watched a documentary on this lady years ago, and as soon as you said, oh, we'll do the next podcast as survival stories, I knew straight away that was going to be my, my main one. Oh, gimme, gimme. She just graduated, and she didn't want to miss the prom. Uh, she was in the middle of the jungle with her parents, but she wanted to go to this prom. So she booked Amazing. this flight with her mum on this Lancer flight. And these Lancer flights had got a bad rep because two of them previously crashed. So they only had one plane left that was running on this route. So as they get into the air, the, fl- the flight takes off. Uh, Juliana's with her mother. Uh, her dad wasn't there. 
And so as they as they get sort of middle of the flight, there's like a huge severe thunderstorm that rolls in. There's lightning strikes happening everywhere. Everybody's like oh, terrified on yeah. the plane. Her mum's really scared. And she's like, you know, sort of panicking like everybody else is. Yeah. The plane then gets struck by lightning. Oh no. And it basically explodes in midair. Oh shit. So pieces of the plane start flying off. Her mum gets sucked out of the oh, plane. Oh god, can you imagine? Unbelievable. After the plane was struck by lightning, her mother said to her, now it's over. Oh god. Uh, and everybody started screaming. So the plane started to fall apart and then eventually her seat bench got sucked from the plane. And she said that she felt like a, a calming wind came over her as she was plummeting towards the ground. Jesus. Imagine how terrifying that Could is. Could you be up so many thousand feet, wouldn't you? Yeah, and this was the middle of the day as well. So she describes, uh, she recalls the trees of the jungle fast approaching, looking like broccoli. Oh my top. God. Oh so that's my how high goodness. she was. She describes her seat bench spinning like a helicopter blade. Oh. Imagine you on that. What? You'd be spewing all over the place. Uh, and she said that that, was, that must have been the reason that she slowed down and that her seat and the thick, deep jungle canopy cushioned her fall. Wow, okay. So she basically, she blacked out and had a concussion after that and she doesn't recall the next 20 plus hours. Whoa. And she said it took, when she finally sort of came around and regained consciousness, it took her like a whole day to stand up because she tried to stand up, but she was so weak, she kept blacking out. That's one thing you're not supposed to do. Is it? Yeah. Um, if you fall from a great height, don't get up straight away. Don't like, don't be shocked at, at the fall and just be like, oh, oh, get up, get up. You're supposed to stay on the floor for so a while. So lay down, yeah. yeah. Madness. So she, it turns out she had broken her collarbone. Oh, goodness me. She had lacerations on her calf. And she had a cut on her arm that was infected with maggots. Oh, oh God. That, that'd be the worst. Take my leg, but don't give me no maggots in my arm. <laughs> That's wrong, isn't Yikes. it? Yikes. Uh, later, doctors discovered that she'd fractured, fractured her shin, strained her vertebrae, and tore her ACL. Gee whiz. But I mean, from getting struck by lightning and yeah, yeah. surviving a plane crash. I wonder she couldn't get up then. Unbelievable. She did. She, yeah, so she eventually gets up. So, so not only has this happened, She's now in the Peruvian jungle, which is like crawling with spiders, crocodiles, snakes, oh basically God. loads of things that can kill Jeez. you. And it's like the middle of nowhere. Luckily, Yulia has this particular set of skills. She does, does Which she? comes in handy. So her mum uh, was a world-renowned ornithologist. Do you know what one of those is? A uh, survival woman. Studies birds. Oh. <laughs> and her dad was a zoologist. So she knows all about animals. So she finally gets up, she's able to walk around. And so what she does is she starts searching the area for survivors. Cause she, you know, she oh, survived. Yeah, so in her head, she's thinking maybe other people have. Yeah. Um, and four days later, she hears this bird, which she recognizes because of her mum. Nice. As a king vulture. Oh, but that doesn't sound good. The king vulture, she remembers her mum saying that 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 particular bird only lands when there's rotting flesh in the area. Oh, God. So she finds three other passengers who had hit the ground so hard that they were buried three feet below the earth and only oh their God. feet were sticking up. Oh, Jesus and, Christ. And um, it says that she, she thought that one of them might have been her mum. But she like poked around with a stick and none of them had, one of them had, um, there was like female feet and she said that they had uh, nail varnish on and she was like, my mum didn't use nail varnish, so it wasn't her mum. Imagine that, imagine dealing with all this and then 
th- you know, thinking I probably lost my mum at the same time. You're, you're broken as a person, like physically, mentally. Oh, that is just terrifying. It's awful, isn't it? As she's going about, then she she hears planes flying over. So there's obviously like planes scouting, trying to look for survivors, right, trying to find the crash right. site. But because the trees and the the jungle so thick, yeah. she can't see them and they can't oh, see her. Shit. And after a few days, she says that the the plane stopped, and she said she describes oh, no. those as her like lowest moments, and she's just felt completely helpless. <sighs> I forgot to mention she's only seventeen at this point, right. so she's seventeen years old in this scenario, and she's lost her glasses as well, which oh. makes it even worse. I get I get you, babes. Honestly, I'd be sick if I had to spend the whole day without my glasses. You can't go from the bed to the bathroom without yours, can you? No, no. Oh no, that's such a small thing that people wouldn't pick up on, but. Losing your glasses is is everything. I know, yeah, especially if you're trying to look for things. Depends and look for what people. her prescription was like, but yeah, yeah, I'd be cockeyed coming out of there. <laughs> no, 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 like seriously, that is what my prescription does. It stops me from going cockeyed. I know. Amy, Amy was convinced. She was like, I, I definitely don't need glasses. I've got 2020 vision, mate. They came out and they're like, yeah, you would go cockeyed if you didn't have glasses. <laughs> Craig's like, you'd have been single. <laughs> <laughs> Just to jump in here, I'm about to say Yulia a hundred times, but her name's actually Yuliana. So apologies to Yuliana. So Yulia, she stays hydrated by licking leaves after it's rained, and she f- she find she found a bag of sweets. I don't know whether they were on her or she found them like Maybe close by, plane, yeah. and she rationed them, but they only lasted a few days. Um, oh, so once they ran out, she experienced extreme hunger. Cupcake had no training or gear, but was soon able to locate a small stream, which she'd followed. She followed for nine days. Good. So her dad had told her, like, if you ever get lost you need to find a water source and follow it and then it'll get bigger and hopefully it'll go to like a river where there'll be boats and there'll be people yeah. and civilization. Yeah, cool. So Very luckily she knew all these things. Mm-hmm. And the crazy thing was like, because her dad was a zoologist, she knew about crocodiles and stuff. So as she's wading through this river, she said you could see crocodiles slipping in and out of the water, but she oh knew, God. she said that she knew they don't really bother humans that often. Okay. So she it, she was like up to her knees. So she was just wading through this river with crocs going oh. in and out. Oh my god! <laughs> you can't write that, can you? It's mental. So is that true then? For anywhere? It's well, I, I mean, I wouldn't fully trust that. I wouldn't just say, "Oh, crocodiles don't bother humans." Well, I guess. I mean, I fucking, I, you know, you'd be <laughs> angry. I'd take one on. Kick, yeah. Kick him in the nose. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the least of your worries. Get, get him in the eyes, and then that's them gone. Then. <laughs> Or, or the... Leave the crocodiles alone, will you? They haven't done nothing to you. Stab them in the penis with a pen. <laughs> Whatever you've got on you, fights. She finally comes across a, a canoe and a nearby shelter, and she she noticed that the canoe has just pulled up. She she knows that there's someone out there oh, looking for God, her, can you or imagine? there's somebody there. Yeah. I mean, we were talking the other day about how elated I was when I had my braces off. But can you imagine meeting someone after like trying to survive a plane crash? The words just couldn't... You would just fall into pieces, wouldn't you? Unbelievable. But there's another little plot twist here as well, which is mad. So at this point, she's so weak. It's been nine days. Oh, my God. Oh, no, I think it's coming up on the 12th day. She's so weak, she can only crawl. So she's she's crawling. She crawls up to this hut to go in the hut. And she finds um, a thing of, like gasoline like petrol yeah and her dad she said she remembers her dad um operating or or treating a wound of an animal right with maggots uh using like gasoline okay so she sucks the gasoline out of the the canister and spits it into the into the cut on her arm 30 maggots come out of her arm oh oh my (laughs) god are you joking what a girl yeah it's mad so then 
she oh she tries God. to sleep in the hut, but it's the gr- the ground's too hard, so she ends up going down back down to the river where it's a bit softer. Yeah. The next day, three Peruvian men show up. <sighs> okay. But these guys were so confused and a little bit scared because she's blonde. She's in the middle of the Peruvian uh-huh, jungle uh-huh. and she's got bloodshot eyes and she's a bit delirious. Yeah. And so they, she says that oh, they... Oh no, they're not going to take her, are they? They say that they believe in all sort of water spirits and, and ghosts there. Right. So for a moment, they, they, they're they really terrified and they think she's a ghost. They think she's a water spirit. Oh God, right. Because they've never seen like yep. a person like that in the jungle. And they think she's a spirit called Yemenyana. Yeah. Who supposedly a blonde water spirit. Mad. But luckily, Julia, being the multilingual legend that she oh, is, shut up. she speaks fluent <gasps> Spanish, mate. Oh my so god. So she just explains to these guys what happened. Oh my god. They give her food and then they they help her with her wounds. They put some more gasoline in and then fifty maggots, fifty more maggots come out of the cut. Are you joking me? <laughs> luckily oh, she she my thinks god. she thinks she's gonna lose her arm this whole time because yeah. it's so yeah. infected. Jesus. Um, but oh, luckily god. she keeps her arm. Good she survives. Um, I wonder so, how far away they were from actual civilization then. Maybe not too far because the guys were there. Well, she walked for nine days up a river, so yeah. she must have been pretty far. So not only did she survive a plane crash, she survived 12 days in the jungle on her own with a packet of sweets. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. And the, the other thing about this is it's crazy. There's, there's more to it, but she tells the story of how her dad basically like disowns her because oh, she no. he didn't want her to go to this yep, um, graduation and she sort of asked her mum to and her mum went and he like, blames her he blames her and oh, he, he like says horrible things like i didn't even want you and you you took my best friend and stuff like that it's awful Jeez. it's really on the, sad on the documentary he, he's on it no she explains it in the documentary oh God, it's really is... really sad i mean so... it, that seems like he's got his head screwed on he yeah. knows zoologist got all this going on what the fuck i know mental unbelievable the other the other sort of not plot twist but there's a director have you heard of a guy called werner herzog no so he's an amazing director he made another documentary called grizzly man which okay. is the guy who like thinks he's like friendly with bears, with bears and yeah. stuff. incredible if you've not seen that you should watch it it's so good yeah but werner herzog was supposed to be on exactly the same flight no. but a last minute change of plans he had to cancel oh, no so he didn't get on the plane oh my god so Werner Herzog shot the documentary with Julia oh did he so he went because he's German as well oh. and the German connection must have helped a lot yeah, yeah. so it's those two um, and he sort of interviews her that's throughout that's wonderful it. I wonder what she looks like I'll show you a picture okay this is, this is Julia she looks like a lovely lady yeah this is her in later life oh wow Okay, so she's blonde, short, little cropped hair. She looks lovely. Yeah, glasses on there. Glasses on. Good woman. Probably got an updated prescription since then. <laughs> I hope so. So yeah, what an unbelievable thing incredible. to survive. I would uh, love to meet her. You know, she, she'd be someone you'd just be like, <gasps> God. I know. Just Whoa. want to hug her and yeah. yeah. Oh my God, so that's crazy. Lightning strike, plane crash, Peruvian jungle. Think someone thinks she's a water spirit. Jeez, what and, a girl. Yeah. she is very clever like bloody good but there's so many parts to it as well where like in a documentary where she she's so hungry at one point she she sees these frogs and she's going to try and catch the frogs but luckily she's weak enough she's so weak she can't catch them and it turns out later they're (gasps) poisonous they were black dart frogs oh i would never pick up a frog kill you instantly Um, oh what would you do though you know like 
look for berries, but then berries can be poisonous. Yeah. Like, well, luckily, she, the other thing was she knew a lot of the things that were poisonous that she avoided. This is what we need in school. Yeah. This is how we need to bring our children up, just in case. Do you know what I mean? What's Pythagoras' theorem going to help her with if she's stuck in the jungle? Yeah, exactly. Oh, Mad. good, good, good for her. You should, we should watch that one as well because 100%, it's fascinating. 100%. She, she also talks about um, her mum. I'm sure there's a part on there where she finds her mum. Oh, don't, oh, yeah. don't. I can't um, watch it. I didn't get to that part because I had limited research time this morning. But uh, yeah, there we go. Of course you did. Yulia Kupke, what a legend. What a girl. Shout out to you if you're listening. <laughs> you were talking about Yuliana in the last part and about how she'd survived like a, a lightning strike of a plane, the fall from the plane, and then 12 days or whatever in the jungle. But have you heard of Frain Salak? No. Croatian man, also known as the world's luckiest man. Right. After a number of brushes with death. Righto. So your man Frain, to start with, he took a train through a cold, rainy canyon and the train slid off the tracks and plunged into a river. Oh, my days. He was the only person pulled out and saved. 17 other passengers died. The next year, during his first and only ever plane ride, he was blown out of a malfunctioning plane and landed in a haystack. What? The plane crashed. Blown out of the plane? Blown out of the plane, a malfunctioning plane, and it killed 19 people on board. He was the only survivor. What? Three years after that, Mr Salak, in 1966, took a bus that skidded off the road into a river, drowning four passengers. He swam to shore with only a few cuts and bruises. Oh my God, this guy's mad. In 1970. Surely there's not more. His car caught on fire as he was driving it and he managed to escape before the fuel tank blew up. In 1973. Hang on, didn't your car set on fire once when we were in it? Yes, it did. My first ever (laughs) car, John, the Honda Civic, who was a year younger than me. Um, I just heard a pop one day on the way to work and the bonnet, there was flames coming out the bonnet and I was pulling over and Craig was like, you can't park this, double yellow. So I was like, the car's on fire, get out! <laughs> <laughs> it literally was, it was terrifying. Yeah, he took us to the door of our work though. Yeah. Gentleman, that car. Absolute legend. Go on, John. Okay, so uh, three years later, after that first car incident, there was another one. The engine of his car was doused with hot oil from a malfunctioning fuel pump, causing flames to shoot through the air vents. Oh my God. Luckily, um... Only his hair was singed and he was unharmed. Then in 1995, he was struck by a bus in Zagreb. Don't tell me he survived that as well. Yeah, and he survived. In 1996, he eluded a head-on collision with a United Nation truck on a mountain curve by swerving into a guardrail, which gave way under force. He survived. (laughs) This is mad. To end it, for the finale of of a lifetime... Get your little buzzer thing ready. Two days after his 73rd birthday, he won $1.1 million on the lottery. (laughs) Shut up. Did he actually? Gone frame, yay. I mean, he deserves it after that, doesn't he? I was going to say you should buy a lottery ticket. (laughs) (laughs) So essentially, he cheated death seven times. That is mind-blowing. What a guy, this is him. That's him. What? That's Matt. He's either an incredible writer yeah. and no one's seen any of these incidents, <laughs> or he is literally the un- most unlucky man or yeah. luckiest man in the world. What Lucky would you say? Man. Luckiest man in the world. You'd say luckiest, would yeah, you? Yeah, absolutely. I've got a few other bits. There were so many people. It was such a great sort of topic to research. There was loads of different 
special people at Survive Things. So I just want to give a shout out to a few more people. <laughs> so uh, Vanessa Volovic, she was a Serbian flight attendant who holds the Guinness World Record for surviving the highest fall without a parachute. So her plane snapped in half. Oh my God. Um, and she fell from it. She was the only one that survived her crash. And she fell 33,330 feet. Dr. Anna... Bagenholm was skiing around a waterfall where she fell headfirst into freezing water and became trapped under the ice. Oh, worst for nightmare. For a total of 80 minutes. So she managed to find an air pocket, literally, like her head is right on the ice. She's under the ice. She found an air pocket to breathe through, um, but only for about 30 minutes. Then she was underwater for 40 minutes without air. So eventually she was rescued and taken to the hospital. Her heart had stopped for over two hours and her body temperature was lower than 56 degrees Fahrenheit, 13 degrees Celsius. And basically what I read was that her whole body froze before her heart had the chance. So Whoa. she kind of preserved herself for a bit. And then they brought her, like after nine hours, they brought her back and- No way. And all that jazz. Yeah, what a girl. So that, that, that always fascinates me, like, the, the whole like freeze the body freezing mm -hmm. you you can like not that i've done this but you can like put a fly in the freezer and it'll freeze and then if you put it outside it'll like thaw out and Is then just true? fly off yeah have you done it no <laughs> <laughs> no I, me I remember reading this thing years ago and it was talking about putting flies in the freezer and then putting string like put string around them and then they'll fly off and then you've got a little You're fly horrible, on a kite. You are. No, I never did it because it's so <laughs> cruel. <laughs> like a little fly bet, take a fly for are a walk. vegan or not? No, I never did it. I never did it. <laughs> but that fascinates me, that, that whole like, because it's that whole cryogenic thing, isn't it? Like celebrities who want to like freeze, freeze themselves, themselves yeah. so that potentially they could be brought back to life in the future. Yeah. That's who knows? Mad. Who knows? A lady called Uwe Winsenerska was... Uwe. Paragliding in Austria when she was she was sucked into a horrific storm, so she found herself in a vortex at a speed of nearly 50 miles an hour and carried to a maximum height of 32,000 feet, higher than the top of Mount Everest, Craig, and almost at the point where jumbo jets cruise. Oh my God! Due to a lack of oxygen at that altitude, she passed out for nearly an hour. Amazingly, she drifted unscathed through temperatures of minus 40 degrees Fahrenheit as hail and lightning raged around her. And she's got she's got a parachute on. A she's like got a paragliding Yeah, paragliding. She, she was sucked in with all that. <laughs> so according to doctors, the fact that she passed out may have helped her survive by slowing down her heart rate and bodily functions. So this gave her the chance to wake up after the storm was dying down and then landing safely back on Earth. That so is a hell of a journey, like, that, isn't it? I know. But this one is the craziest one, I think. So this guy is called Carlos Halfway, Carlos Halfway Rodriguez. He lost a large portion of his brain and skull after flying through his car's windscreen and landing on his head. This is a picture of him. Oh, I've seen this guy before. He says, do not drink and drive, kids. Oh my days. I mean, if that's a, a poster for that, then so that's going to work, isn't it? For people that aren't watching this on YouTube, can you describe what Carlos looks like? It looks like if you had a hard-boiled egg and you just got the top off with a spoon. Pretty much. So it's like from his eyebrows. From up. his eyebrows, it just goes back. His head goes back, and then he's got a bit, a bit of hair. But yeah, he's lost a lot of the top half of his head. That's crazy. Unbelievable. But he survived that. He survived it. Yeah. Just had to take away a lot of his brain, which is crazy. 
That's mad, isn't it? We were talking about this the other day about the guy Adam was saying about shout out to Adam again. He's always telling us stuff. Adam from Drifting to the Sunset. Yeah, park behind me if you're watching on YouTube. Yep. Um, he was saying about this guy who like could play piano. Um, yeah. And he, he didn't want to lose that um, skill, so they they did like open brain surgery whilst he was still awake. Yep. And they'd be like playing piano, and they'd like move a bit, and then he'd forget how to play. They go oh, put that bit put back. Put back. back. <laughs> now that is a is a documentary type of thing that I would watch because that is yeah. fascinating. How mad is it that they could just like take parts of your brain away mm. and you still be all right? But is it true that we don't really know how your brain works? Still, not no, they, a lot of it. They don't know, no. Yeah. Which is that is mind blowing. Re- really crazy. All right, next part of the podcast. Would you rather? Mm. Would you rather be the richest person in the world yep. or be immortal? Richest person in the world. Why? Because I wouldn't want to outlive all my friends and family. Yeah. I'm hoping I go before you because I will probably die of a broken heart. Oh, Don't cry. Um, but yeah, we could have such a fun life together if we if we had all the money in the world, like the things we could do with it. She'll take richest person. If anyone's listening, sign her up for that one. She'll have that one. <laughs> um, so many people we could help. So many dogs, lives we could save and, and make better, you know. Be, it would a be mortal really good. would be mad though it would be mad but I wouldn't want it but what kind of a mortal is it it was your question bro why are you asking me well that's all it, it ends there but is it a mortal <laughs> as in like you're literally a superhero well this is your if, question if you got crushed by a building you would just get out of it and be fine well you never know on that how to survive YouTube channel it may say how to survive being crushed by a building I think it does actually I think it was a collapsed building how to survive being in a building I'm gonna go immortal you're fucking rude on me. You don't even give a shit oh, about me. No. Uh, you're going to live an immortal, heartbroken life, are you, Craig? Well, no, because think about it. If you were immortal and you, you you were like that, you didn't have superpowers, but you just literally couldn't be killed. But what happens if you go to jail for life? You can't be killed. You, you do your life sentence. That's uh, what I mean. You're in jail forever and ever. No, life isn't... You can't do that. You get like 100 years. 100 years, nothing, mate. You'd be out. You've got another <laughs> 25 centuries to are go. Are you staying young? Yeah, you stay at the age, so you you're immortal. Done. Now. Press 30, the button. Thirty-three forever. <laughs> so you're thirty-three forever. But imagine this, like, because you could do all that stuff. Imagine how much money you'd make from it. You'd be like, drop a building on my head. Give yeah, me a hundred k. You'd be it, the richest person in the world in no time. Would it hurt though? Would nah. you have to like, you know, be in hospital from a broken leg and, and, and spend six months recovering from that, or you just you're no. a fuck, you're, oh, so it's not immortal. You're a superhero now. You're invincible, yeah. You need to figure out your questions. Invincible or richest person in the world? I'm still going to go richest person in the world. I'm going to go invincible. What if you're poor? I won't be because I'll just, I'll (laughs) set set up my own circus. I'll just get people to like throw things at me and... Circuses are bad. Get elephants to sit on my head. No, you will not. You won't touch the bloody elephants. Are we going to end this podcast with another riddle? Oh, come on. I've got it. I'm feeling clever. So this one is, you see a boat filled with people, yet there isn't a single person on board. How is that possible? One more time. You see a boat filled with people, yet there isn't a single person on board. How is that possible? Oh, for God's sake. A boat. The only thing I can think of is gravy boat. But you ain't having people in no great boat. I, I would sta- always want gravy with you, <laughs> I would it? happily stand in the gravy boat if I could, if we had one that, that big enough. People on the boat. What is... 
So my my brain's going. I'm thinking. Remember, don't what say the answer if you boat? think you know it. I don't know the answer. I've got a bloody clue. Good. All right, all right. Looking forward to the answer to that one. So that is it for this week's podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. If you watched on YouTube, press subscribe. Yeah. If you listen to us where you get your podcasts, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five star review to be in with a chance of winning some King in It merch. If it's a four star, I'm coming for you. Don't even think about it. And you're not going to win anything as well. Yeah. <laughs> so have a think about that. <laughs> anything else you want to add, babes? Not at the moment. I, I I'm sorry about the. Ambiance. The audio of this, there is a major storm going on. So um, I hope it hasn't affected the podcast too much. But we hope you're having a fabulous day. Um, and we've got some exciting plans for the weekend. It's actually my birthday on Sunday. Ooh, so ooh. if you want to send presents. 43, babes. Quick, no. It's a Saturday. That's nice, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, right. No, I'll be 32. The big three, two. Yeah, but that's about it. Have a wicked weekend and always remember to rule your own world. One, two, three, bye! bye.